Now just to uh, review with you, we're talking about uh, seven processes that lead to your transformation or your change. You know, God is not interested in us staying the same. But, uh, that said, how I many you know He doesn't leave us to ourselves either? And the Word of God is very plain and very uh, direct for us that uh, he, uh, he saves us, amen, and He justifies us. Aren't you glad for that? And He adopts us as His own, amen. We learn that He has redeemed us. Say, I'm redeemed from the curse, which means the only thing left is the blessing. And uh, today I want to talk to you about the concept of sanctification because it's a big, uh, highfalutin, holy word. But it actually is at the very heart of the transformation process that God wants to do in your life. You and I have to engage what the Scripture actually says. So these aren't just theological terms. These are processes that will absolutely transform your life. It all starts with a new birth. Look at somebody and say, you can't change until you're born again. I mean, you can look right, you know, cut your hair right, you know, wear the, the sleeves the right length, the dress the right length, whatever the case may be, but you can't change until you're born again. Genuinely experience the new birth. Now, once that has happened, God wants to progressively and gradually transform you into His image. And sanctification, of course, is a big part of that. So I'm going to start over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And how many know that faith comes by hearing? Yes. And hearing by the Word. So you're going to hear some word today. Amen. Verse 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects the instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. So if a standard comes out from His Word about how we should be living or how we should not be living, you can reject man all you want to. You can make fun of what man says. You can cause bigots and haters, whatever you want, but it doesn't change the reality of God's standard for our lives. I want to encourage you today to let these scriptures just minister to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted in its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Say that with me. Righteousness, Righteousness. And, holiness. and holiness. Ephesians 1 4. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight and to be filled with love. And then this from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. You can just jot these down if you want to and study them later on. It'll be important for you to, to grow in this. But just as he who calls us is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. How I many you know He's a holy God? Yes. Isaiah's revelation of the high and lifted up one. Isaiah chapter 6, He heard Him cry what? The angels crying, Holy, holy, holy. Hebrews 12, 14, just as a foundation today. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Did you know that to get into strife with people, not forgive them is an act of unholiness? Do not say you're holy if you're constantly at war with people in your heart. We think about holiness as what you do sexually, what you do with your eyes, what you do behaviorally. But part of our holiness is being at peace with all men as much as lies with us. There are a lot of people who think they're just perfectly fine in terms of holiness because they don't do what certain people do. They don't, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't chew, they don't go out with girls do. But they are filled with unforgiveness on the inside. 
The Lord spoke to me about this this week, the concept of unforgiveness in this context. Now, how many know He'll change you if you'll let Him even today? Yes. You can deal with that unforgiveness and bitter spirit that's been dominating your life all the days of your life. I got to thinking about this, you know, some of the things in the past that uh, we've been challenged by and things we've gone through. And just as clear as a bell, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say that unforgiveness is nothing more than our attempt to exact vengeance on the person. I'll show you. I won't forgive you. I'll just be bitter. All you have done is put yourself in the place of God. When you try to be God, you can't be sanctified by God. All I can tell you is that a bitter, unforgiving, wounded, amen, resentful spirit is not of holiness at all. Are you hearing today? The word sanctified literally means to render holy, to separate from profane things, and dedicate to God, to purify, to consecrate, to devote, to set apart. It means to go from common to sacred use. Do you realize that when you got born again, God had a sacred use in mind for you? Yes. That's one of the reasons why we just can't just do anything we want to do anymore. There's a sacred use that God has for you and for me. Sanctification means to be set apart, separated from sin in this world and separated unto God. It means taking up your cross daily. Can I have a good amen? Becoming one with Jesus, the process of becoming like Him. If anyone ever asks you what sanctification is, it is the instantaneous separation from sin in the world and separation unto God so that you can become like Jesus. To the extent you're becoming like Jesus, to that extent, sanctification is operating in your life. Now, I'm not going to be, you know, apologetic about saying this, but there are a lot of people that get saved, but they have not advanced in their sanctification. And with that has brought defeat in their lives. You cannot advance to victory when you're not being sanctified, actively sanctified by the things of God. And if I get to what I call, you know, the agents of sanctification today, that'll be great. If I make you come back next week to hear the rest of this message, that'll be perfectly fine with me as well. Because it's just that important. You cannot be the victorious, overcoming believer God wants you to be. And not about somebody telling you or dictating you or putting you down or comparing yourself to them or whatever. We're not talking about that. You cannot be what God has called you to be if you're not being involved in the process of sanctification yourself. Now, aren't you glad it's progressive? Because if the Holy Ghost today dumped on you everything that's wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay, you're okay. And you keep believing that. Look at somebody and say, I'm not okay, and you're not okay. The reality is, God just hasn't revealed to you what's not okay about you. That's called mercy. Amen? But you are expected to respond and that sanctification take place on what He has revealed to you by the Word and by the Spirit of God. Amen. You can probably already tell. This will be a time again where the pastor meddles deeply in your business. Look at somebody and say, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> it's instantaneous and progressive in our daily lives. It works over time. It's gradual. Things are revealed eventually, not overnight. And this 
This lack of understanding brings defeat in a lot of people's lives. You look at yourself and you say, I'm not where I should be. God must not love me, you know. I must be a terrible Christian because I haven't got it all figured out. You're not going to have it all together just because you've been born again six months, one year, 10 years, 20 years, or even 50 years. You're an eternal creation. Are you here today? And what you need to do is not make excuses for yourself. At the same time, allow the process to take place without coming under condemnation. Let me say to you like this. You coming under condemnation does not advance your sanctification. You coming in a conviction of the Holy Spirit is a different matter altogether. Sanctification is like growing up in your salvation. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, he says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Sanctification is growing up. Smile real big at somebody, show them your pearly whites, and say, it's time to grow up. <laughs> There's no growing up without sanctification. You can stay a baby in the Lord till the day you die or the day you're raptured, and of course you'll, you'll make it into the pearly gates, but you'll be a defeated person as long as you're on this planet because you're not moving forward. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to be, you know, developing, growing in the things of God. Now, when we say sanctification, it's important you understand, we're talking about sanctification of the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. Say that with me, spirit, spirit. Soul, soul, and body. God is not interested in sanctification in your spirit alone. I say, when did that happen? Your completed sanctification of your spirit took place the day you got born again. You will never be more perfect in your spirit than you are right now. The problem is you're not just a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And guess what? Your soul right, and your body are not perfected yet. They will be. Amen. And you're in the process of seeing that happen. So how this works is you get born again. Your, your spirit man is alive. You're born again. That spirit man is in perfect fellowship and relationship with God and would always choose to do the right thing regardless of the influences if it were not for the body and for the soul. Now the soul is made up of the, the mind. Say the mind. The will and the emotions. Say it again. The mind, the will, and the emotions. And you know what your body's made up of? 70% water. <laughs> the sanctification process works, for example, on your mind to get you to where you consistently think the thoughts of God. Until you're thinking the thoughts of God and functioning that way in your mind, sanctification is not happening. In terms of your emotions, it goes from being emotion rule to Holy Ghost rule. Now, you have emotions that help you experience your life, but they've never been given to you to run your life. You'd be amazed how many Christians are born again, spirit-filled, on their way to heaven, love God, but every single day, whatever they feel is their greatest reference point and their highest authority. And because of that, they're always being led by the nose by emotions instead of by the Spirit of God, and it leads them into trouble upon trouble upon trouble. All we need to do is that the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, the, the agents of sanctification come in to cause your emotions to be what? To be part of who you are, but not given the leadership role in your life. Look at somebody say sanctified emotions. This means that you can feel something very deeply. And you can. 
Every once in a while I hear some crackpot say, well, you know, we teach here that you shouldn't feel things, you shouldn't have emotions. No, we, we teach here that you should not let emotions run your life. If you're going to quote somebody, quote them accurately. Amen. One should not speak unless one knows. Amen. A guy in a metal helmet taught me that. Say it with me. One should not speak unless one knows. And what we know is that you can have sanctification of the emotions where you will feel things, but you will not then hold on to things and act in an inappropriate manner. You will not respond inappropriately. You will not be bound by those. And for a lot of people in the American church, if, if he can ever get to the place where your emotions are being sanctified, you're going to have the most victorious life possible. Amen. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to act on it. Christians can feel deeply and then just back up and say, but I'm going to do what the Word of God wants me to do. Anybody here ever felt like decking somebody? The rest of you are too sanctified for that. Amen. <laughs> Raise your hand if you ever really felt like giving somebody a piece of your mind. And maybe before you were saved, you give them a piece of your fist. <laughs> uh, why don't you do that now? You're being sanctified. Somebody just admitted they're not. Amen. <laughs> Anybody ever here get mad at somebody in the car and you're yelling at them? They can't hear you. But you're telling them the what for? You say, why would that be? When people come to Kentucky from other states... They're amazed that these amazing inventions called turn indicators are never used. There was a cop in Indiana a few years ago that made a video. It's a state cop, and he said, there's this amazing new invention they put on automobiles recently, and it can tell the people behind you and in front of you if you're turning right or turning left. And he demonstrated this thing tongue-in-cheek. Look at somebody and say, it's okay to use... Your standard equipment. <laughs> well, bless God, they deserve it if they do that. Well, you know, if you keep yielding to that, if you keep practicing unsanctified emotions, you're going to get what? Continued, amen, unsanctified emotions. Well, let people just make me mad. Let people can make you mad without them running you. Do you really think that redneck that didn't give a turn indicator on his way into the Dollar General store is worth your piece? <laughs> I don't think so. They tell me today that the universal sign of disapproval today is this. <laughs> do you all, do all remember what the universal sign of disapproval used to be? <laughs> Everybody say universal. Now, some of y'all think that I am most holy. No room for improvement. Completely sanctified. And all I would say is on occasion, try me. And I don't, I don't do this to tell you, I don't tell you this story so that you'll go out and replicate it. Some things the pastor tells you about and the things he's been through, you should not replicate. When I was going to St. Thomas Hospital one time with my wife and driving through the, you know, she has an appointment up there. And so 
I'm driving through the parking garage. Look at somebody say, sanctified emotions. Sanctified emotions. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm coming around this one thing, and this guy just kind of just lob dawdles in front of me like he's on steroids or something, you know, just like this and completely clueless. Amen. And uh, he looks at me like I'm the problem. And so he gives me the universal sign of disapproval. Well, I wasn't in the mood to receive the universal sign <laughs> of disapproval. I hadn't had in Starbucks, I hadn't had no coffee in me. Amen. Fighting traffic all the way from here, all the way to Nashville, and here this guy is. So I come around like this, and I go to the other side, and guess who's there on that side now? And he stops and looks at me, and he's saying something I can't hear him. And I said, oh, yeah? Well, I'll see you one and raise you another. <laughs> I told that story a few months ago, and Bert goes, Pastor Art! <laughs> Pinch me, I'm human. I didn't, I was tempted to, to hit him in the car, but I didn't. I had enough sanctification just to park the car. Amen. Amen. Now, don't y'all be looking at me with your holy tone. Because I've seen some of y'all out in the community. Okay, we'll leave it right there. When you're being sanctified, it's sanctification of your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body. Feeling without sinning. Feeling without being controlled by your emotions. Many believers give themselves a license to not sanctify the emotions, and that's why they're defeated. Talk just a moment about sanctification of the will. When your will is being sanctified, it's not about what you want anymore. You got born again. Now it's about what God wants for your life. Can I tell you this? What he has planned for you is far greater than anything you could ever plan for your life. You get born again and you let him sanctify your will so that when a choice comes, when there's a door one, number one, number two, number three, when there's a fork in the road, you know which way to go. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. When you have a sanctified will, you start consistently choosing God's will instead of your will. Without the process, you'll never improve in this area. Anybody here ever make some dumb decisions? Boy, some of you shot your hands up so fast you tore your, your rotator cuff. Amen. Praise God. Let me see your hand if you ever made a dumb decision. Aren't you glad he still loves you? Aren't you glad he still has a plan for your life? But you know, as you grow in these things, there comes a time where you stop making those dumb decisions. Sometimes it's because somebody puts you under pressure. Got to move, got to act, got to do, got to move, got to do. No, when you feel that pressure, just back up and say, I don't got to do nothing but obey God. But in your life, if you're not growing in this area and you're not even concerned with the will of God, you've got some work to do in terms of your sanctification. Everybody in here ought to have a passion and a burning desire for God's will in their life. Four amens or yes? I'm going to try that one more time. Everybody in here ought to have a burning desire for God's will. Amen. So it should be obvious that when you're born again, you, you shouldn't be doing with your body what you did before you were born again. It's also a process. 
I mean, it may not be perfect in terms of what you do with your life, what you do with your body, but you should be growing, you should be developing. Sanctification should be taking place in your life. We're talking about consecrating your thoughts, your words, your actions, your motives, your priorities. We're talking about having a consecrated mind, mind consecrated to God, eyes that are consecrated to God, ears that are consecrated to God. How about this one? A mouth that's consecrated to God. My pastor in Savannah, Georgia, when I was there as an associate, somebody came to him and said, you know, I'd like to put my tongue on the altar. And this is what he said. He said, do you think it will fit? <laughs> he said, you've got such a long tongue, I'm not sure it will fit on this altar. For those of you who don't know what that comment is from the 1930s and 40s, it means they have a big mouth and they talk too much. You know, there, there are a few people in churches that, that have long tongues. Amen. They should what? They should put their mouth on They should sanctify their mouth. They should consecrate their mouth. When Isaiah had a revelation of God in Isaiah chapter 6, what's the revelation he got from God? Whoa, it's me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live in what? I'm in among a people with unclean lips. And the angel takes a course of coal from the altar and touches his lips and he's made clean. Yes, when you think about sanctification, you think about consecrating every part of your life. Say it with my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my mind, my body, everything. And the day you're living in, you better consecrate your ears because an awful lot of things out there are not true. They're contradictory to God's Word. If you listen to it long enough, you become sympathetic towards it. And after a while, if you're not careful, you'll become a proponent of things that you know violate God's Word. All because your ears weren't sanctified. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little nose. Just kidding you. Turn to somebody and tell them, consecrate. Every part of your life. Sometimes people misunderstand holiness and righteousness. If they are not perfectly holy a certain day, they make mistakes. They're no longer righteous. No, righteousness was a gift given to you by Jesus Christ through His sacrifice. He took your sin and gave you His righteousness. Did you know that even if you sin tomorrow, you don't stop being righteous? You did, you did come out of holiness. Now, the amazing thing is God gives you this gift of righteousness. It comes with a power and an anointing, a supernatural ability to live right, to live holy, not in absence of that righteousness, but because of that righteousness. In other words, holiness is righteousness applied to your life. Righteousness is the position you have in God because of what Jesus did for you and for me. And your perfection or lack of it doesn't change God's righteousness because that's what he gave to you and to me. J.C. Ryle said it like this, Most men hope to go to heaven when they die, but few, it may be feared, take the trouble to consider whether they would enjoy heaven if they got there. Why do you say that? Heaven is essentially a holy place. Its inhabitants are holy. Its occupants are holy all the time. Think about that. Do you really want to go to heaven? Because it's a holy place. Amen. John Wesley said like, said like this, By sanctification we are saved from the power and the root of sin and restored to the image of God. I like that. And Jonathan Edwards said this, He was resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Think about that. 
You got one hour to live. Would you do that thing you're doing? Would you think that thing you're thinking? Would you be involved in that thing that you're involved in if it was the last hour of your life? And I dare say that that would produce in us more of a zeal for holiness, amen? If we knew it was about to be wrapped up. And can I tell you something? It is about to be wrapped up. All over the land through legitimate prophetic voices, God is saying the same thing. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Get ready, get ready. This world is nuts. If you don't do anything else today but give your heart back to Christ, to get right with Jesus Christ, because it could be this quick. Amen. Recently ministering to, to, to Jesse DePlinus' heart, the Lord is, is telling him, tell my people I'm coming. And the Lord said to him, they don't believe it. Now, just said they believe that. And God got stern with him and said, they don't believe it. They don't believe he's coming back soon. But guess what? He is. Do you know what sanctification does? In fact, he who has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. A hunger for his return causes you to live a holy life. Because you don't dare want to miss that boat. Amen. Once Noah got finished building the boat and the occupants were inside, it was shut up. And that was it. Can I tell you something? There's only one boat coming to save us in this world. It's the SS Jesus Christ. And if you miss that boat, happy tribulation. Are you here today? Yeah. So it's important for us to understand, you know, uh, sanctification, why, why we need this. Just jot this down. First of all, because of Christ-likeness. We can't become Christ-like without sanctification. It should be our highest goal to be like Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond sermon and came in, coming, to, uh, like, coming as in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Luke chapter 9, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, is, he is the one who will save it. Then 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. The end game here is to be like the Lord. How many want to be more like Him? Raise your hand if you want to be more like the Lord. That is so critical in the days we live in because folks don't care that much. That's not their end game. That's not their goal. That's not what they're pursuing. It's just get along, maybe get some fire insurance in terms of whether they go to heaven or hell. But to be like him, that's what sanctification does. Another reason sanctification is so important is because of honor. We're to honor God with our life. We're going to honor God with our body. You surely know, 1 Corinthians 6, that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you, and it's a gift from God. You're no longer your own. God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. Be Christ-like, and turn to somebody and tell them, honor God with your body. Turn to them and say, honor God with your life. 
Does he, does he deserve to be honored with our lives, with our bodies? After everything he has done, a Christian should be walking and living in honor. It's so important you understand this. Say it with me. I want to honor him. Do you know the Bible says that he'll honor those that honor him? Well, we can honor him, of course, with our words, with our faith, with our conduct. The Bible says we, we honor him in the first fruits of all of our increase. Isn't that wonderful? But you also honor him with your, with your body and with your life. Don't say, I honor him with a tithe and live however you want to. And then claim that scripture, I'm honoring God, so he'll honor me. Are you honoring God? If you're living like the world, you're not honoring God. If you're doing what the world's doing, you're not honoring God. Can I tell you something? Preachers that are, that are justifying behavior in your life, they're not doing you a favor. And deep down, they don't love you for doing that. The word preached without compromise is what the body of Christ needs right now in this country. We need to be told what is right and what is wrong. Well, that's for the school. No, it's not for the school to do. That's for the government to do. Are you kidding me? They couldn't find right if it came up and bit him in the butt. Right and wrong? They've lost touch with right and wrong. Well, the parents are supposed to teach right and wrong. Granted. Is there telling, you know, Sarah telling a story about school she teaches in and how, you know, kids in the second grade come cussing the teachers out. Could you imagine? And a parent comes to school wanting to know what they did to upset their kid. And then the kid gets mad at the parent and starts cussing at the parent. Let me explain to you something about generational approach to discipline. In my day, you cuss at a parent, you talk back at a parent. At the very minimum, you lose your two front teeth. And you might be in the morgue. In my day, you get it at school, you get it at home. These kids today know there's no recompense, there is no accountability, so they do what they want. That's why every public school teacher that's out there doing their job should be given a gold medal. Just amazing, trying to teach and instruct with that kind of environment. I was a smart kid growing up, in some ways. <laughs> when I was in the kindergarten, now you see how I'm scarred here. I'm talking about kindergarten. Her name was Mrs. Absher. Everybody say, God bless Mrs. Absher. She'd hand out these half sheets of construction paper with math problems on them. And those big, big pencils they used to give to kindergartners. You know what I'm talking about? Big old fat things because they, the theory is, well, they can't hold a small one because there are only five. But I found something out. I finished my paper first, and I found out if you hold that paper up like this, and you take that pencil and smack it against the construction paper, it makes a big time noise. Bam, 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 bam. Mrs. Absher says, you finished your work, put your paper down, put your pencil down, and wait for everybody else. And I thought, that's an invitation to do it again. So I picked it up, bam, 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 bam. And she said, all right, one more time, and I'm going to call Mrs. Elvin down here, and uh, he's going to take care of this. 
And so I, I thought, thread, huh? I picked up the paper, went bam, 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 bam. She got up from her seat, walked down the hall, brought the principal down, and he had a paddle with him about three feet long, looked like it had been completely decimated by would bees, holes everywhere drilled in it. Is this what she said? Is this what you did? Yes. Right outside the hall so all the other kids could hear it. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Ask me if I ever. It was months before I'd even pick up a pencil. <laughs> I still don't like those big, fat pencils. So keep them away from me. Spawn of Satan. Are you here today? That's what we're living in. An honorless generation. And so the voice of the pulpit is now the target of the devil to shut down truth going forth. So people can know how to think and how to live and how to operate based on the word of God and make godly choices. Who benefits from what? Not only the non-sanctification of the church, but the de-sanctification of the church. Where we go backwards in these things. Turn to somebody and say, I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward. And I'll tell you, it's not, it's not a popular message, but he who has ears to hear, I promise you this, if you get a hold of this, your life will be victorious and you'll be ready for his coming. I like to tell you that what the world out there is doing in media and in government, if, if they have any kind of control, any kind of wisdom at all, I don't see it. It's not going to get better in the world. But the good news for you and for me, when there's darkness out there in Egypt, there's always light in Goshen. Just make sure you're in Goshen. Amen. Make sure you're among the people of God who are called to be, amen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Showing forth the praises of God. That's what God thinks about Israel, but it's what he also thinks about his people who have accepted his son. You're royalty, amen? And you are light dwellers. Are you here today? It's important because we need to be Christ-like. It's important because of honor. Number three, it's important because of anointing. The holier we are, the more powerful we will become. Holy people operate powerfully in the anointing of God. In a large house, 2 Timothy 2, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves in the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Now the question is, what do you think is in that vessel? It's the anointing of God. God on flesh, what flesh? Can't do. It's the power of God operating in your life. And I'm telling you this, that uh, it's not about what somebody tells you. It's what the Word tells you, and it's what the Spirit of God convicts you of. Don't put anything above that anointing. Say this with me. I choose the anointing. If God's dealing with you about something you allow in your life or do in your life, it's not about religion. It's about you cranking up the power in your life. We don't need people less powerful in the body of Christ right now. We need them more powerful. But you have to understand that there is a, there's a, there's a price to pay when we don't live clean in a dirty world. 
That power question is not there. It's not that God doesn't want to use us. You say, well, I've seen lots of people who live like the devil and it seems like God uses them for a while. Do you know that being a servant of God, it's the only job in the world where God will fire you and let you keep on working. Saul was fired but kept on going. He was king with the anointing and he was king without the anointing. Look at somebody and tell them anointing's better. Yes, amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power, uh, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Say it with me. The more holy I live, the more power will flow through me. A lot of people's lives are stopped up. A man of God one time had a vision of a power of God coming down a, a big, huge, you know, tube like a like a water main, and he's he's sitting underneath that water main and nothing's coming out. He's got God, what's up with this? He said that pipe is filled with all kinds of junk, all kinds of flesh, all kinds of ungodliness, all kinds of unholiness, and all you have to do is just get that thing cleansed. And guess what will happen? that power will flow like it's supposed to. How many want to see more power in you and through you? Does America need more supernatural power right now? Do we need to see the glory of God manifested in our streets, in our homes, in our houses? Yes. It's not going to happen because of what the world does. Well, if the world will get saved, then everything will be fine. No, if the church of God will get holy. The Bible says holiness must begin at the house of God. And if it begins there... What kind of judgment will there be for those on the outside of the house of God? See, we're in a place now where that you know nobody can really, really deal with you as an individual you know, child of God. Only God can. Amen. Only you know what he's dealing with you about. Amen. It's a good time in the history of the kingdom of God. It's a good time for you to yield to whatever he's talking to you about. Say it with me. I want to be like Christ. I want to honor God. I want to flow in the anointing. You know, it's a time I remember God was dealing with me about some things that I was, uh, you know, involved in and listening to. And for a long time, you know, and it's, I'm not religious about this, legalistic about this. It's not the point. But I realized that there was a connection between what I was listening to musically and the condition of, of my heart in terms of whether I was going out for God or why I was rebelling from the things of God. And there came a time where I just had to shut things off and get away from that stuff. Now, today it doesn't make any difference. You know, what I hear is not going to pull me off of my high devotion to God. But as an 18, 19, 20-year-old, there were certain things that every time I would listen to them, it wouldn't engender thoughts of, hey, let's go out and do things for God. It was just the opposite. Yes. Go do your own thing. Go be your own person. Go do your own plans. And there came a time where I just had to realize that that was for me and an anointing issue. And there's some things the Lord spoke to me clearly about that you can do that, but you won't be anointed. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And it's just good common sense to protect your ears from some of the things that are out there. Yeah. I mean, I, you say, well, I listen to this music, I listen to that music. I'm, I'm not your music judge. I'm telling you, if the Holy Ghost talks to you about how it's inhibiting your life, there's, there's no point to it. There's no reason for you to continue to do that. Same thing on the air, same thing on what you binge watch, whatever the case may be. If he's dealing with you, then respond to that. 
Because the reason he's saying that is not because you're lost, but because he wants to use you in a more powerful way. Say that with me. I choose choose the anointing. anointing. Now, some things I didn't need to be delivered from, like country music. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry, but I never got into, there's a tear in my beer and I'm crying for you, dear. And uh, she left me, took the house, took the car, took my dog. Oh, took my dog. So edifying. Now you listen to that stuff 10 hours a day. My dad sat with their dog Shiloh, little Maltese, in a rocking chair. Uh, it was either the beaver or froggy. I don't know which one. I mean, what is up with this beaver, froggy, donkey, elephant? What is that? Can't you just be a radio station without having some kind of an animal? <laughs> when you listen to froggy, you get foggy. <laughs> it's the smartest dog in the history of dogs. That dog sat on his, li- on his lap, and, and then... then uh, Willie Nelson came on, and all, all of a sudden, every time the, you know, the song would go to a certain place, that dog would lift up his voice and go, oh, oh. And I said, Dad, that's the smartest dog in the history of dogs right there. That's a smart dog right there. <laughs> he just wasn't, wasn't having it. Amen. Say, it will be consecrate my eyes. Consecrate my ears, consecrate my mouth. Why? So that you can be the most anointed version of yourself you could be. Why would you want to be anything less than that? Ah, I'm just a Christian. I'm just going to heaven one day. No, you're supposed to be one of his anointeds. Yes, amen. The fourth reason you should uh, proceed in sanctification is because of a thing called confidence. Having confidence in prayer instead of shame, intimidation, or guilt. One great man of God said that sin makes cowards of men. That's particularly true when it comes to prayer. When we're walking under condemnation because of a lack of sanctification, we don't have confidence in going to God with our prayer, with our needs. We're intimidated to do that. We feel guilty and and ashamed. Well, the Bible says in this very powerful in 1 John 3, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Turn to somebody and tell them, He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. When you're outside of the realm of living the way He wants you to, you're not walking in confidence. And now all of a sudden you got a need, you got a problem, you got an issue. And you like to go to God in faith and in confidence, but you feel dirty, you feel second best. And what do you want to do? You want to repent and get things right with God. But what you want to do is start living this way. Do you know that you can live victoriously over that sin? Do you believe, Rodney, how quiet it is with that statement? Wow. That you can live in victory over that sin. Amen. You don't have to sin. No, no, no. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, no, you don't. no, you are now a child of God, which means you choose to sin. No, it just came on me. No, it didn't. No. 
Griffin had a couple come to him and, and, and they were having all kinds of marriage problems and she said, he stepped out on me and he said, I, I don't know what happened. I, I ended up in this woman's apartment and, and, and I ended up in her bedroom and, 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 and who took my clothes off? Uh, you went to the apartment. You went to the bedroom. You took your clothes off. These were all choices. Instead of doing a Joseph and running from the hussy, you went home with her. Amen. Do you know that you should be able to preach in the house of God on sexual purity and people shout? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's hard to do that if you're not living in agreement with what's being preached. But let me give you a tip. Don't move when I'm preaching this. Don't get up. Go out the door. Just stay still. Just say, yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I agree with that totally. Good preaching. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at somebody and say, it's a choice. Didn't happen to you. That's a cop-out. That's how this world operates. But we make what? Choices. Aren't you glad for God's grace and forgiveness? There comes a time you say, you know what? I'm going to let sanctification work in my life. I'm going to let his purity operate in my life. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. I'm going to understand here that I want to have confidence with God. Amen. I want to be able to pray in power and be effective in that, not have all this in the back of my mind of what I've done wrong all week long. We ought to be able to any time in any moment pray for somebody with great power and authority. Somebody says, you know what, so-and-so's in the hospital and they haven't given them long to live, but you come pray for them. Well, I guess I better go to a retreat and listen to my faith tapes and pray and repent so I can be ready to pray for that person. You need to be ready to pray for them on a dime. Amen. Amen. And the only way you're going to do that is letting sanctification work in your life. So whatever it is that he's dealing with you about, it's not worth your confidence, amen, and how you're supposed to be seeking God and expected to be used of God, amen. Praise the Lord. Is it okay that the church be called to purity? Yes. I said, is it okay that the church be called to purity? Yes. Is it okay if a church is called to holiness? Yes. You won't regret it. Why? Because you're going to be Christ-like, are you here today? Yes. You're going to have the power of God operating in your life. You're going to honor God. Amen. You're going to walk around with a sense of confidence in Him. Not arrogance, but confidence in Him. Amen. And last thing I would say to you, and we'll pick up the rest of this the next time. Look at somebody and say, oh, I can't wait to get back for this. I want more of this. I, mean, I do. <laughs> Pastor, I've been, waiting to, I've been waiting for this on sanctification all year long. Amen. I need to hear this message. I'm going to be back to hear it all. <laughs> all five parts. <laughs> Bless God, we're going to get you sanctified one way or another. Amen. Flip you over and do the other side. Hallelujah. Number five, you, you need to let sanctification operate in your life because of his purpose. We are set apart for a reason and a purpose. Every person in this room, everybody watching online, you are saved. And because you're saved, God now has a purpose for your life. That's right. There's a reason for you existing. And if the devil's told you otherwise, he's lied to you. Can I tell you something? If the devil's lied to you about your existence and your purpose, you should shout because that means there's a great purpose and reason for you being here. He is a father of lies and all he can do is lie. And I don't care how old you are. 
Amen? From people who've gone to heaven, had an experience and returned from heaven, they had out of, you know, an experience with God, either open vision or closed vision or literally a translation, they all say the same thing. Everybody in heaven seems to be around 30 years old. Now, if you're 18, you're going to have to grow up. And if you're 80, you get to grow down. Amen. And, uh, you know, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? Okay, age. Hallelujah. I, I think there's probably some precedent for that when Jesus himself was about 33. Are you here today? But when you have this, this thing going on that, that you understand that your sanctification is propelling you to accomplish your purpose, there should be joy in that and victory in that. Say to me, God has a purpose for my life. And any other voice that says that's untrue is a lie. And you can have down days and doubt that. You can have down seasons where you doubt that. But it's time to come back to your senses and realize he's not done with you. Take a big, deep breath right now. Amen. If you're alive, he has a purpose for you. You are a born-again, spirit-filled, amen, on fire, sanctified child of God. You're needed in this world. Yes. Why do you think the suicidal ideation is at an all-time high in this country, in this world, and even among Christians? Because the devil is a liar. You're set apart, and that means what you do with your body, what you do with your life is, is God's business and not yours. Listen to this scripture. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Turn to somebody and smile and say, you're peculiar. What does that mean? It means you're special. It means you're different. It means you're not mere men and women. It means there's a distinction on your life. There was a time when king of the Babylonians took the holy vessels from the temple and his son in ascension decided he was going to have a party and use those vessels. And this is what the Bible says in, in Daniel 5. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Everybody say a thousand. That put any Hollywood party to shame. A thousand. Listen to this. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Does that sound like a sanctified bunch there? No, anybody qualify for the priesthood there? No. In this story, you are the silver and the gold goblets. Turn to somebody and say, gobble, gobble. You, you. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees 
were knocking. They called for Daniel to interpret, and basically Daniel gave him the interpretation of the words, but basically it meant your kingdom is being taken away from you. will be divided between the Medes and Persians. Your time is up. And do you know that night he died? That very night he died because of his careless use of the holy things. They were dedicated, consecrated unto God. And I want to remind you that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. It is no longer a temple built with hands, but it is the temple of the Holy Ghost. His people, amen, are, are a place where God dwells. We shouldn't be less holy. We should be more holy. We shouldn't be less you know, consecrated than some kind of a, a glass or a cup. We should be more consecrated than a glass and a cup. Amen. As you live your life, you know, don't look at this as, oh, God to be holy, you know. Oh, pastor's turned into a holy preacher. I tell you something, the gospel has always been synonymous with holiness. How you live matters. How you think matters. What you look at matters. Amen. What you listen to matters. What you say matters. Where you go matters. Who you hang around with matters. It's not a negative thing. Amen. Everybody say it. Praise God. I'm becoming more holy all the time. Through this process. Glory to God. Now, how many you know that your neighbor has some work to do? And how many you say that you have some work to do? Amen. God loves us. And if we are bound to do this all ourselves, well, that'd be a very difficult challenge to do. But we're not. Uh, he's for us. You know, the first key here is, is to recognize not what some preacher tells you you're doing wrong, not what some human, another believer, some per person in the world tell you what you're doing wrong, but when the Holy Ghost speaks to you and convicts you, it should make it right. No delay in your repentance. No delay in your consecration. And understand this, that, that what seemingly is allowed in somebody else's life is not the standard for your life. Are you here today? Well, so-and-so can do it, so can I. Not when the Holy Ghost tells you you can't do it. How many of you know in this building today are people who have been saved all manner of different seasons and times? How many of y'all been saved less than a year? Praise God. Let's give her a hand clap. Hallelujah. How wonderful. <laughs> How many been saved at least five years? Okay, 10 years? 15 years? 20 years? 40 years? 50 years? I shouldn't have preached this. Y'all should be holy by now. <laughs> I'm going to spend my time talking to her. <laughs> Amen. Are you here today? When this process kicks in, he's bringing you to a place of transformation, making you like he is. It's a year of transformation. We should be excited about and positive about sanctification. Amen? So when he tells you to knock something off, don't fight with him. Just say, you know what? I'm yours to command, Lord. Do what you want me to do. Whatever it is. 
I'm going to listen to you. Because if you don't get it from the Word and you don't get it from the Spirit of God, it's not going to hold any weight with you anyway. That's it. Amen. Praise the Lord. And as you're thinking about this, stand to your feet and just give Him a big praise offering. He is holy and He's making you holy. Bless His holy name.